Hello everybody, welcome to Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt, a game master who just can't stop talking about roleplaying games. Today's episode is with Tom and Bodhi from Homie and the Dude. Tom and Bodhi talked with me about combat and adding energy and passion to your combat. That can be through descriptions or through movement or the way that your character kind of takes on their own style with a weapon or with a fist. <laughs> we also talk about aerial combat. Tom and Bodhi have a Sky Combat D&D 5th Edition supplement coming out and they tap into their expertise in the designing of that system or that subsystem and provide us with some recommendations on how we can add a little bit more spice, a little bit more energy to combat when it pertains to using vehicles, uh, whether that be on land, in the sea, or their, their specialty in the air. But before we get into today's episode, I have a few announcements to make. And I guess the first announcement is that I've created an Instagram account. Some of you may already know that. I haven't been too good at promoting it. But I wanted to let you guys know that I'm, I've created an Instagram account. It's the same at roll underscore play underscore chat as for the Twitter account. And I'm going to be using the Instagram account more to showcase pictures of the terrain that I've been making. I feel like Twitter isn't exactly the best platform for that. I mean, I'm, going to, I'm still going to share it in both places. But Instagram offers me the opportunity to make, you know, videos and things like that. So I'm, I might transition some of that content into Instagram. Uh, time will tell. I also wanted to let everybody know that I've recently written a article, a review article for RPGmatch.com. I had a lot of fun reading and playing Legends of the Five Rings, which is a tabletop RPG system set in like a samurai fiction setting. With interesting rule sets, with custom dice, it's it's a pretty neat game. It does some things really well, it does other things a little less well. So anyway, I, I'd like to encourage you, if you're interested in that, to go check out my article on Legends of the Five Rings on RPGmatch.com. I'm going to be writing a handful of other reviews for that website as well, so stay tuned for further updates on that. And yeah, without further ado, let's get into today's conversation, into today's episode. I hope everybody enjoys it. Let's get into that discussion. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the discussion about combat, whether it be by fist or in the air. I'm here today joined by two folks across the pond that I'm very excited and eager to talk through talk to over my lunch break it's tom <laughs> and Bodie from homie and the dude welcome welcome to both of you what's up matt pleasure to be here. how you doing matt uh i'm, I'm Bodie. i'm the son i'm um, tom i'm the dad and we won't we won't reveal which one of us is homie and which one of us is the dude it's the ongoing mystery <laughs> <laughs> and uh and in, in terms of us we're, we're a father and son ttrpg and mma team um we do podcasts we do uh, we have an actual play show. We have newsletters, Discord servers, but the the nines. So um, uh, most of that can be found under the banner Homie and the Dude. So at Homie and the Dude on all platforms. That's us, though. Yeah. What's up, dude? How, how how's life? How's life over in uh, in in Canada? Oh, it's great. It's great. It's starting to get cold, though. I I'm wearing a blanket on my bottom half that you can't see in our conversation. <laughs> But uh, yeah, things are good. I had a, I, I got to play a, a D and D session Sunday night. We had, no. we had uh, Monday. It was a vacation for us over here. I imagine it might have been for you guys as well. For the and queen? Yes, for the queen. Yes. Yes. Same. same interesting. Area. I didn't think it would be. So it's across the Commonwealth. That's a Commonwealth thing. That's interesting. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was like a surprise vacation for me because I wasn't expecting it to be a day off and my kids still had to go to school. So it was nice. I got to send them off and have the day to myself. <laughs> but uh, I'm super, super jazzed to have you guys here. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Before we dive into our topic at hand, I did want to give you guys the opportunity to talk to the listeners a little bit about yourselves and your your style as a game master or player. What oh, kind okay. of what kind of tabletop RPG enthusiast or participant are you? And I'll uh, I'll start with uh, with Tom. Tom, why don't you go first? Yeah, so I I would say initially I'm actually pretty new to D and D. So although I'm old in age, I'm young in D&D experience. Uh, and I think the central 
part of my game as a player is that I really, really enjoy role play. And anything that I can do to enhance role play, and even in my preparation, most of my preparation is really embracing my character, my backstory. L- to be honest, less about being prepared with my spells, less with being prepared with about you know aspects that others might be, you know, minimaxing about or all that type of st- strategizing. I, I don't. I'm just not interested in much of that. So I'm really all about. Um, capturing those moments of the highs of comedy, the lows of drama, the the spectrum of emotions is the thing that really um, inspires me. And you're really good at that. Awesome. And how about how about you, Bodhi? Where where do you sit on the spectrum of types of <laughs> gameplay and game masters and players and all that? So as a player, I definitely am very consistent with what I do. You know, I, I try and find things that will surprise people. So every character I play has always been, you know, you know, I've been a colossal titan slayer that's afraid of things that are bigger than him. You know, I've been, uh, you know an old time wizard who is blind you know i've i've chosen like weird contrasting things to just try and keep it fun and mm. fun and interesting is a lot of what i do yeah but if i'm very serious about it like i i very much like tom uh like to think about you know my player pretty deeply but i'm a lot more combat than tom is like mm. in as a player like i often am like thinking about cool you know if i chain this this and this and this together you know then not only is that a very cool sequence of like movements or actions, it's also a you know powerful uh, ability thing that I can do to execute awesome. in this moment yeah. to assist the team. So I'm very much like that as a player. But I'm I'm I would say I'm a forever DM. I play okay. you know when when people ask me to you know when people offer, but I'm much more of a forever GM. I I love living vicariously through my players um, and experiencing the highs and the lows, like Tom said, with them and just you know, be in the world that is there bolstering them up as well as trying to tear them down. I really, really like that. Um, and then the final thing I would say is in terms of style as a GM, I would say um, I ride the line between serious and comedy pretty hard um, at, at a lot of times where I will flip from a very serious moment to something like uh, in, in an upcoming episode that we recently recorded of our actual play. Um, our players went to a like an underground party kind of club scene and um two of them accidentally did some hardcore psychedelics and um and we did this weird like trip scene that and one of them was like pretty emotional and pretty it it was relieving a bit more information to one of the players about their backstory it was really intense really emotional and so like we have this intense emotion but and and then like as i'm kind of ending it i'm like oh and we just quickly switch back to back in the club and everyone's like dancing and you're having a great time and you're looking at this person and their eyes are back in their head and they are just gone do you know what i mean like that kind of thing (laughs) and so i really like riding that line between you know going from very serious to very funny and, and, and back and forth, you know, on, on, on that spectrum, uh, doing, doing things like that. What about yourself, good, dude? What, good, what type good, good. of, uh, what type of player or GM are you? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the people of the show will know this, that I put story first also. I, I think we're going to yeah. get along in the recommendations and, and advice that we give. I like to put story first. I like to play games that are a little bit more lighthearted with the, t- I like to say it's avatar, the last airbender, in a pirate campaign. That's basically my homebrew world. <laughs> that's perfect. That. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. That's a great, great reference. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of how I like to run my games. But at the mm. same time, I can appreciate all spectrums of this game. And mm. I think that as a game master, we ought to always challenge ourselves to run things that are outside of our comfort zone just to see if there's something about that that we can adopt into our style mm-hmm. or if maybe we can evolve our style to meet it. So This is one of the reasons I'm very excited about today's conversation because combat for me, despite trying to do it uh, often enough and trying to give it a lot of energy and make Mm -hmm. it fun, I find that a lot of the time I include it almost out of obligation. I feel like, okay, Mm -hmm. there needs to be combat here. There needs to be this juxtaposition to help with the pace Mm -hmm. or to help with maybe the, um, there's a conflict that is unavoidable and we need to have Mm -hmm. this confrontation. So I'm really, really looking forward to talking to the two of you to see maybe how you take your experiences and your styles to make Mm -hmm. combat feel faster, feel more energized, have maybe role play opportunities baked into them, things like that. So I, I, and now I'm kind of segueing into today's topic of conversation. So I think we'll, we'll start by letting the audience know that, and and I would, I will have already mentioned this briefly in the introduction, 
But uh, so today we're going to talk about combat, but I think we're going to look at it from a perspective of injecting energy and passion and making it fast paced and fun and, and visceral. And uh, we talked a little bit specifically about hand-to-hand combat because I know you guys really like MMA and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'd love to see if there's any kind of Venn diagram where those where tabletop RPGs and MMA uh, coincide. I don't know if there is. I'm sure there must be. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then also because of your actual play series and the fact that you guys play in a, in a flying, floating sky world, how combat translates into a flying space. Yeah, go for it, Tom. I just think your, your point was really interesting in that, you know, there is almost an expectation and you can, you can feel it in a game that the DM and the players are kind of calculating, okay, well, last session, there was no combat. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're either getting it this session or we're definitely getting it the next session. It's almost like a, a, a rhythm thing that is an expectation that I'm not sure I'm too happy with either. You know, I feel like, you know, let it happen whenever it happens. Let it build to a point where it's necessary, where it's an obligation. But let's not make it something that is like a, a rhythmical thing that like every one or two sessions we're going to be thrown down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So do, do you know what? I, I would, as a DM, I, I kind of feel the pressure that Matt feels. Mm-hmm. I, I understand what, what you're talking about. And I think, look, where does that pressure come from? Let's break this down for a second. Where does that pressure come from? It comes from the fact that this game is based around combat mechanics. When you look mm-hmm. at the character sheet, you have three things. Well, if, if we're going to include like all the roleplay aspects, let's, let's talk about all the charisma-based skills. You know, we're talking deception, persuasion, performance, um, all that kind of stuff. If we're looking at those, and then you look at the other three things that you get on a character sheet, which is your ideals, your bonds, um, your, uh, what's the other one? Flaws. Flaws, yeah. thank you. And, um, and then if you vaguely consider backstory looks, you know, things like that. Otherwise, though, 90% of your character sheet is, uh, what can I throw? What can I do magically? Mm-hmm. What, what, how far can I run? You know, how, how strong am I? You know, all this other, you know, attributes that are based more around your person's ability to survive, to deal with these conflicts that come up in, you know, fantasy and things like that. So I think for me as a DM, something that I definitely look at it about and something I feel like when we play our actual play, I very much do try and give like long, like extended areas of role play. But I also understand that there's a need to, drip feed that in actually not as like not even as like player versus like bad guy combat because i feel like that is sometimes important which is Mm -hmm. i think what a lot of gms get caught in is like oh you need to have the bad guy that you're fighting with and like the bad guy of this moment and stuff and i personally think that you can throw combat stuff in there without having to have you know it be a bad guy things like our fight night you know, that mm-hmm. we have in, in, in our mafia bathhouse, you know, things like the, the fencing club that we have in Uptown, the underground fencing club, you know, places like that, places where there's, you know, gambling and it's based on physical abilities, you mm-hmm. know, and stuff like that. The, were they dogs, the dog race? Or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the dog race, you know, there's, there's things where you can inject some of that combat stuff in mm-hmm. without making it a life or death, you know, moment for your characters. But my, my, my greater point was going to be this. If we're being honest, D&D is an action movie. Yeah. It's an action movie. It's, and it's, like, a, it's, a, it's a game where, personally, I feel that tension can only exist if the players are put to the challenge and if their resources are being expended, mm-hmm. right? If, if yeah. you have one combat every three in-game days, they're go- the party is going to blast past it. The caster is going to use all their top magic sp- casting spells all their highest spell slots obliterate the monsters that that they're facing and they're not going to feel the the crunch and the pressure without a very heavy hand on the part of the game master to make that crunch be felt um so yeah bodhi i 100 agree with what you're saying but I also agree, Tom, with what you're saying. You don't yeah. want it to feel obligated. You don't want mm-hmm. it to be an ob- you don't you don't you don't want to yeah. include it for the sake of including it. But sometimes, and I'll 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 confess, sometimes you just need a fight to happen because the fight is what's going to enable the conflict to really be really be visible, right? If you have yeah. two people in a bar arguing about politics, or two people in a court arguing about the 
succession line of the kingdom or what mm-hmm. have you. Sure, there's some drama there, but there's no drama quite like somebody pulling out a knife, stabbing somebody else, and now mm. there's this pandemonium going on in the ballroom, and the guards are trying to apprehend somebody, and the party's trying to stop the assailant from running away, and and you know they're casting magic spells or mm. so you know you know what I mean like there, there's a certain level of a dramatization that can only come from combat, I think. So I'd like to dissect that with you guys today. So so let's let's start with very basic uh, recommendations. Let's say, if you are in a situation where there is combat going going down, mm-hmm. combat's happening, mm-hmm. the party has decided to fight the monster, or the monster has decided mm-hmm. to fight the party, <laughs> whichever whichever order, mm-hmm. or that doesn't really matter who started it. But you're in a combat situation from the game master seat. Bodhi, what are you going to do to make sure that it's just not going to be this slog fest where people take turns attacking and move on to the next thing? How, how do you make it feel alive? How do you make the role play? How, how do you make your players want to role play in moments like that? So that's, that, that's a great question. That's, that's a bloody great question. Uh, people are going to hate my first answer <laughs> to this question. People are actually probably really going to hate my first answer. And I will tell you why I'm going to say this. Get a battle map. And that's a weird one for me because I have done a lot of theater of mind stuff Mm -hmm. and it can be very amazing and it can be very, you know, incredible. There's all, there there is legendary moments with theater of mind and I want that to be made clear. And I, I have run it and I do still run it. The reason I say get a battle map is for two reasons. One, if there is a single beginner at your table, it will make it easier for them just mm-hmm. straight off the bat. And anyone who is new to the game will instantly be able to understand where they are, understand what they're dealing with, and see the cover that they can take, you know, and it becomes a simplicity uh, tool. The other reason is because as a dungeon master, don't get me wrong, outside of the other 35 things that I'm currently tracking while we're about to enter combat, having to also either whichever method, because many DMs do it differently, whether you're doodling something behind your DM screen uh, or you're just picturing it in your head because you've got such good like uh, I- I- imagination or whatever it is, having to keep track of that other thing that is much bigger than even just you know for example um, you know tracking who's got what advantage on what you know mm-hmm. I- I- imagine you know a play space where you have four or five area of effect spells going on. You've also got you know different positions, different at like I, I was going to say altitudes, but like Elevation. levels to a map. Yeah. Yeah. elevation thank you and uh, and things like that to imagine that in your head and whatnot for me as a dyslexic isn't the easiest thing so for me if i can find some version of a battle map and even if that's a hand drawn something or rather by me beforehand on like a, a dry erase kind yeah, of like of gridded course. thing then i would say that's a big one for me following that i would then say as a dm breathe always breathe and this is something that i get bad myself and i i i mess up is just relax and just breathe at times. You know, at the beginning of your turn as a DM, though you're probably thinking about it while your players are going, take a second and breathe. Think about strategically what is this character going to do based on who they are. You know, think about what's going to happen in this moment based on uh, the type of, you know, race or, you know, personality or, you know, whatever uh, NPC you're running or or monster you're running is going to react to this moment. And then go for it. You know, take that second to really consider it. And your players aren't going to hate you for taking a second to breathe. No one will, Mm -hmm. actually. I love that. uh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that because it's so important if you want to encourage the people at your table to do that. You have, you should be doing it too, right? You need to, you need to put yourself into the skin of the owlbear or the big monster. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, even if it's something that is so out of this world and different, I think you're, Mm. you're touching on something extremely important there. And I'll say, I also agree with you power to people who do theater of the mind. I need Mm. a battle map. I need to draw things out. I have, I don't know if you can see it. But behind me is a hot wire cutter. I make all kinds of terrain all the time because I think that makes a game so much fun. But um, I think there's some parallels that could potentially be drawn with the advice you just gave Bodhi and what players might do. Because I think, Mm -hmm. like you said, putting really thinking about what the monster is going to do and putting yourself in the skin of that person, maybe even acting in the way that's not tactically optimal 
but based on motivation is something that I think players might do too. Tom, does that does that resonate with you when you're playing in the game? How how do you approach a combat situation and how do you kind of ensure that you're not just picking the, you know, the attack that does the most damage and how do you make it feel alive and feel like your character is there? Yeah, someone actually that we play with um, said something that I remember every now and again. And they said, it was something like, um, what would the seven-year-old version of you do? <laughs> right. So, it's, so in some sense, that's a little bit silly, right? Because they aren't as sophisticated and all of that. But in another sense, there's a sense of wonder mm-hmm. in this situation, right? What could I do that would be absolutely, possibly not the most percentage-based uh, decision or solution, but might be absolutely fantastical if I pulled this off. So I, I like to play in that space a little bit. I also really like to think about the other players in the combat. And is there a way that I can tag team with them possibly? Is there a nice. way that so we talk about a lot of times being, being more the person that's laying up the pass than the person that's slamming the ball down into the hoop. So mm-hmm. trying to be an assist man in certain really creative situations. So I very rarely am trying to do (laughs) the most powerful thing in a situation. In fact, I'm trying to do something that I think might be uh, visually or experientially on the table, something that would be A, fun, B, possibly a long shot, but if I pulled it off, it could be pretty damn cool or funny or dramatic. And then the last thing I would say is I am continually looking for moments to role play every single round mm-hmm. so right That's before yeah right super before important. and right after i talk to the dm about what my combat actions are i am role playing either with the other group with myself maybe talking to myself and then other people after my combat uh i'm also expressing myself i would say like for for players two like three pieces of advice that tom and i like give to players when they're new or things like that is one, find a reason to say yes with your character, but that's more of an RP-based thing mm-hmm. than a combat. Always try and assist because if everyone at the table is trying to assist each other, then someone's gonna, everyone's gonna get a dunk moment. You know, everyone's gonna be able to to to, to dunk. And then the other one we say is every turn that you have a uh, that you have in a round of combat, unless you are stealth and someone who is like a stay in the back and snipe kind of person, you should be moving and talking every round. You should, your character should never be stood still. You shouldn't be like if you're in some, if you're in a creature's space and you're you know um, in their threat and range. You and you're like I don't want to leave that threat and range. Cool, move around their threat and range. Just realistically, you know, show that your character's jerking, you know, ducking and diving, moving, dodging, you know, tentacles, moving around them, trying to get space, you know, that kind of stuff. As well mm-hmm. as also talking to each other, strategizing. You're like, hey, he's got a weakness on his back, or you know, check this out over there. Did you see that? You know always talking or even just talking to the person if it's a human being like yo i'm i'm about to cut your leg off homie um, i'm sorry and you know like or or whatever you know like i i think you and you do really good at that you're really good at like almost every round getting into a, some sort of verbal altercation yeah. for a couple of seconds with another team member or you know um, an npc or i'd something. like to tap into something you said there bodhi about always moving is is that mm. something that in an actual fight in like an MMA fight. Is that something that's, that's anecdotal here? Like, is that something that they would do always circling, always moving, never stand still? Yes. It's if, if you ever (laughs) stand still in a fight, you're in a bad place. Like the, the, the moment, like in, in martial arts, the moment that you plant your feet, you leave yourself vulnerable for so many things, you know, someone to shoot and take you down to the ground, someone to, you know, uh, step in and close range on you, you know, anything from them throw a feint and you react too much or not be able to pull back, do the classic, you know, slip and move out Mm. of the way kind of thing. So yeah, that, that one very much comes from a martial arts standpoint, I think. And, you know, even if we're not talking direct, pure, like realistic fighting, if we're talking movies, because that's an easy one for people to relate to. The only time you see someone like in a movie stop is if they're like, you know, striking like, you know, that Kung Fu pose and stopping. And then, you know, they're back into fighting, they're back into moving, they're jumping on this, they're assisting someone else. You know, it's very rare that you see someone just like stop and be like, 
ha, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping for this moment. So yes, I very much think that that will make your fights more realistic based on uh, just how, yeah, how real fights work. Move your feet or get hit, basically. Yeah, I really like that. Are there, are there other things that you feel can be translated from that world, from the MMA world, from the martial arts world that can be injected into the tabletop combat experience that might make it feel more realistic feel more lively it, dude that's that's a great question i think it's one that again a lot of us come from like a couple of different places a lot of the ttrpg community comes from a place of um you know movies television mm -hmm. books anime you know that kind of you know absorbing content in that manner and then another big half comes from video games and either way, you're coming in with some sort of knowledge of fighting, because in a lot of those sits or circumstances, if you're coming into this fantasy, fantasy genre, there's fighting of some sort. Of course. And so I, I would say for, for us, something we, we applied and we've created is, is our unarmed combat supplement that we created. It's called Unarmed Combat Evolve. Um, and it basically just gives... It's super basic. We tried to make it as easy as possible for, for beginner DMs and players. And you retain the same the same combat rules uh, in of how damage is dealt when you do an unarmed strike. You still make the hit, at hit attack and all that kind of stuff. The only thing that we added is basically you roll um, a percentile dice and whatever your modifier that your attack is, I assume uh, it's going to be mostly strength unless you're a monk, then you're going to be using dex. Whatever that modifier is, quadrupled, if you get within that range, uh, an effect happens when you choose your attack. But we've basically given you a list of, I believe it's 10 now, because we've got Unarmed Combat Evolved 1 and 2, of 10 different striking options that you can do to a foe. So it could be anything from we have the ear clap to uh, the groin kick, or, you know, <laughs> all the way through the to the Muay Thai, like knee to the head, mm. um, you know, slashing elbows, you know. And we've written out a big list that, you know, it means any layman who, you know, might not have the knowledge that Tom and I have of these martial arts can look at it and go, you know what, I'm going to disrespect slap this, this beholder, I'm going to backhand this beholder. And so they're going to take that one, they're going to roll to see if the effect happens that comes cool. with it. And it elevates it a little bit more and makes it a little bit more fun. But if we're talking without our supplement, the one thing I would say is think about just the practical laws of physics. Mm. Like, like, don't be like, you know, Star Wars, you know, like I'm going to flip and rotate and like do a 360 spin and then right at the end, I'm going to hit you with my, with my last kick. It's like, think about what's around you and the logistics of what you can do. If you're, you know, stood right up close to someone and you've got a sword, it might be a case of, you know, um, when you're describing it, it's like I step back and go back in, you know, I, you know, I throw a hook and then, you know, if you've got unarmed, if you're a monk and you're doing it, you know, I hook to the body, hook to the head, you know, kind of thing. So descriptions of just basic realism, I think is the, the best way to do it actually. Yeah. I think what I would add is that sometimes describing combat mm. can either be really fun for some people mm -hmm. you're totally and for right. other people, it can be a moment of anxiety. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. Mm. And sometimes, so if you have a table of people, here's what I would say that's probably going to be fairly controversial. But if you have a table of t people, I would suggest that you nominate the person that is most capable and comfortable describing combat. It doesn't even have to be the DM. Mm -hmm. And when there's a combat moment, for those of you that are uncomfortable, defer to them. Because it's a win-win. You don't have to do it. And they're good at it and enjoy it. And it comes to life a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So it feels like to me, like I'm one that is actually a little bit uncomfortable when it's my turn to describe combat. And Bodhi's awesome at it. He is like, as far as his DMing repertoire, combat description is at the very top. And I put it up, up against anyone's just because he has the background of understanding mm -hmm. real combat damage and how that might display itself on a human body. And mm -hmm. so it, it really comes to life or a, a creature, what have you. But, but that additional little tip, I think, is, you know, some people are just uncomfortable with combat because they're just uncomfortable being put on the spot in that moment. So let's just fix that. Let's play with that in a way that makes it clever and safe for the whole table to have fun with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love both of those things. I mean, Tom, I couldn't agree more. People that like things want to talk about it. They want to. They want to. Mm. They want to have the limelight for the things that they feel the most confident in. So giving the giving the opportunity to defer. I love it. I applaud that. And I'm going to start doing that at my table, I think, as of my next game. Um, <laughs> awesome.
And I also really liked, Bodhi, how you talked about understanding the physics and describing the movement based on realism. I think descriptions in a combat environment, in in a combat setting, are critical if you want to really inject energy. But I'm going to unpack what you said a little bit because I'm coming from a position where I've never done any martial arts. I yeah. not that I don't care for them, but you know, it's just not something that I'm interested in doing or watching. <laughs> so when when you say describe something as if it, you yeah. know, it, are you able to kick them? I don't know. <laughs> I I yeah. actually don't right. know. So yeah. c- could you unpack that a little bit? What? How would you, uh, from from your martial arts background, be able yeah. to decide what kind of parameters might you include and assess when you're providing a description of how you're striking mm-hmm. somebody. So that, that's, that's a bloody great question. Jesus. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, exceptional question. Jeez. Wow. So I would say it's about, like I said, thinking about the, the, the physics of the, the world and what you're in and knowing the character that you are, you know, understanding the D and D physics. So for example, we know that the D and D jumping mechanic is super broken, mm-hmm. you know, you know, a dwarf can jump higher than the the, the best NBA player in history, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but it's it's the world that D and D is played in. So, understanding the 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 things that are within your parameters of the world are really important. So, you know, for example, if we're talking about in the real world, you know, I know that I've probably I can probably jump forward about maybe three to four feet. I can probably jump up, you know, realistically one, one to three feet, somewhere in that range. And, you know, um, I can, I, and I, you know, my arms are probably, you know, uh, I can probably stand about half, half a meter to a meter away from you and still be able to connect it at some sort of damage level. Okay. And it's about thinking about your character's physiology and like how, like, cool, if you're a Goliath, you probably have a decent reach. Do you know what I mean? Like your yeah. arm, you probably have a good wingspan. Your arms are pretty long. You could say, you know, if when you're within the threatened space, it could be anything from, I'm going to jump and do a Superman punch because you're within that range. Or, you know, I'm just going to throw a jab, just a standard one punch, just extend my arm, snap it, clip you in the chin, and that that be it. And I think the the, the best way for people who don't know that kind of stuff and, and, and want to think about it is, Again, think about cool. Is your fighter, is your dude, so, so if you're swinging a sword or an axe, think about how they swing the sword or the mm-hmm. axe. Are they a, you know, with an axe, dude, are they a slasher? Are they someone who's a bit more strategic? Are they butting people with the heel? Are they, you know, like slapping them with the side of their, are they, you know, using different aspects of the weapon in different ways? If they're a rapier user, you know, are they hand up here, you know, kind yeah, of balancing yeah. them? Are they hand behind the back? You know, are they, you know, guarding, you know, with the other hand uh-huh. ready to punch? And think about the style. Like to me, that is where actually the description comes out more because you don't need to know exactly you know like the kung fu techniques or the muay thai techniques or the taekwondo techniques but if you know you're like i want my guy to use knees and elbows you can go look up you know what are some you know strikes with knees and elbows well muay thai will instantly come up and you'll be able to find out with us with literally 20 minutes of googling that you know oh you can do a slashing elbow which is you know this kind of way you can do like a jabbing elbow you can do you know a tomahawk elbow and and it will then suddenly give you this repertoire of going, cool, my guy uses his elbows. I don't typically punch. So now when I'm in close range, I'm describing it. Ah, elbow, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff. And it it becomes a little bit more, um, a little bit more fashion to each player. And and, Mm -hmm. and I think that's an important one style. And, you know, not every martial, not every swords dude is swinging, you know, their sword the same way, you know, you got samurais who are doing it one way, you know, German long sworders who are doing it another way all the way through to, you know, M- Malaysian people using the the amazing daggers and stuff that they did. It, it, it becomes very much based on, you know, the type of character that you're playing, mm. the style that they would come mm. So I think that's how I describe it. Very good advice. Yeah. So if I can, if I can repeat to make sure I've understood, mm. I'm hearing, yeah, try to make sure you understand the space you occupy physically in the space, mm. but then yeah. also the style in which you're hoping to connect the style in which you're employing the weapons that you're using. And I like that because it continues the transition from the pure physical action 
into the character and who that character is. Tom, when you're portraying a character, how does that affect your your decisions? How do you determine a style for a character that you're going to be you're going to be playing? Yeah, I, I think one of the things. So I'll, I'll give you an analogy of um, that that relates to this. So there's a a fairly famous football or soccer player from the American audience. Um, his name's Wayne Rooney, and he talks about how he would the night before a match or, or a football game, um, he would visualize all of the different ways he'd be playing during that match, all the players he'd be playing against. He'd even ask the, the equipment manager what color uniform they'd be wearing for that match so that mm -hmm. he, when he visualized it, he would be able to get as real as he could of you know all the different opportunities he'd have to head the ball into the net or to pass the ball to someone that's releasing behind one of the defenders that he knows is a little bit slow, that type of thing. So if we translate that to D&D combat, I would suggest that close your eyes maybe 15 minutes before the next session and visualize your, your character. And not just your character, but your character amongst your fellow players, but also amongst possible monsters or enemies that might come up and how your character might move. Are you how talking about like a kata? Like, you know, them going through like martial arts movements and seeing what that kind of looks like? Maybe, in a way? yeah. Is, is that what you're talking about? Oh, it's, yeah, that. And I would even like say, okay, so like I've got this, you know, I've got this broadsword. If anyone that's a giant comes toward me, how would that look? How would I, what would I do? If I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm a dwarf, well, I might try to slide underneath his legs and clip him from behind. And I'd, I'd like visualize like all these different scenarios and have fun with them, you know, and try to bring them to life. When you're visualizing, really, really try to be as realistic as possible in your character in those situations. Yeah, and have fun with it. Like mm -hmm. when For you're sure. visualizing it, make it a fun little space of, you know, what are some of the things that my character could do that would be really interesting, really fun, really awesome. Like, what could my character do? Could my little dwarf, like, you know, jump off of that table, you know, and like get, some, you know, get some airtime and nice. come down on something that's twice as tall as it? Yeah, it could. It could. So maybe the next time I'm looking for a little shelf on the wall <laughs> or I'm looking for my partner and I'm going to be like, yo, hold your hands like this. Here I come, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and run toward them and launch yourself up. You know, those types of things, I think, are make make those moments more memorable as opposed to. You know, I I do five points of slashing damage. You know, it's it's yeah, breaking yeah. out those memorable moments. That, that's another that's another interesting point. Now that you just say the word slashing damage, just off the top of my head, I was going to say with the weapon that you choose as well. Look at what damage it does. If you've got a rapier and it's piercing, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can you know go up next to someone with a rapier and you know slash them, but predominantly you're going to be looking at you know lunging, jabbing, you know, that kind of thing, looking to, you know, uh, shuffle, shuffle, step and, you know, kind of jab, as opposed to, you know, it being something where you're going to be doing wide, round, you know, cross-like swing motions mm. with a rapier. Yeah. So if you have slashing or piercing damage, you know, that's even an even more mm. basic way if you want to try and find style. Just look at the weapon you're using and from there, you know, we've been talking about unarmed combat a lot, but if you're using a weapon, if you've got a bludgeoning weapon, it's going to be like bonking people, you know, yeah, so just, yeah, just think sure. about how you're doing like slapping damage to people basically. And, you know, think about how you, you, you kind of cause that. Bodhi, I, I couldn't agree more. Each weapon kind of has its style baked into it. So that's, that's really a good, a good piece of advice. If people are feeling lost about where, where, yeah. to, where to go. So we've been talking a lot about, you know, fighting fist to fist, mm. sword to sword up close and personal. I wonder now, how does this kind of, how how do these recommendations, how does this advice translate itself into a sky battle? Because I mean, sure, you could have, when you think about it, if you think about it too hard, maybe your brain starts to hurt, but I'm thinking if you're, if you're on, if you're in a tavern floor or you're on the, on the deck of a ship in the air, those two things are basically the same. Mm -hmm. Unless yeah. you start throwing people overboard, I guess. But what are what are some of the things that you need to consider if you're in a space where you're in the air, you're flying? Like, what are some of these differences, these distinctions that that really okay. stand out to you? That's a great. That's a great. Sorry, I laugh because when you say <laughs> when you think about it, it must hurt your head, and the answer is yes, it does. It does. It doesn't. Alien. It, it hurts my head <laughs> regularly. Um, so. A, a couple of those, a, a couple of those to, to to answer that. First of all, my world in the sky that we have. So our our AP podcast world is set in amongst floating islands, 
thousands of feet above the land below okay. and it's actually got a impenetrable layer of like cloud below it so it's it's very you know uh, a very dangerous place for those who fall um is what i would say but we also because of this because of uh, a good section of our world being torn into the sky and the rest of the planetary matter being left below we don't have mountains of monsters which is something that most people kind of shock and awe at me because i don't do dragons and i don't do dungeons but i play dungeons and dragons <laughs> and um we I deal a lot more with like people to people issues. So a lot of that, you know, what we mentioned, that realism of combat falls into place. If we're talking player to player combat, things remain fairly the same. Um, you know, you have players coming from one airship to another, and once aboard, you know, the other's airship, it falls into very similar D and D rules. You're going to be hitting each other with weapons, spells, project, excuse me, projectiles from weapons that are that are firing them. Um, all manner of things like that. However, what becomes wild then is airships fighting each other mm -hmm. and is something that we have been actually working on now for four months. It's very, it's very hard. Um, it's, it's, it's a wild project that we've taken under our task, but we're trying to make it, like we said, the mo like you've mentioned many times, visceral, you know, realistic, um, dynamic, you know, all these kinds mm -hmm. of things. Um, are, are kind of centered around that. I know you want to say something. Good. No, that's our mantra, isn't it? It's to to keep the traditional D and D player five E combat rules mm -hmm. to apply. That needs to be the same, but not just that. Mm -hmm. To not overwhelm those rules with some other complexity that those rules and that play gets sort of pushed to the side. Yeah or squeezed out, or just slowed down so much that it's really, really even more painful. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're seeing the combat can sometimes be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're, we're, we're trying to thread the needle of making an airship combat system that is fun, simple, super dynamic in movement and weapon usage, but complementary and not overwhelming of 5e player combat. And it's tricky. Um, and that is, that's the, you know, that's the El Dorado for us. And we feel like we're onto something that in a lot of ways has captured that. We're still working on little bits and pieces here and there, even, you know, just before we got on the call today, still trying to figure out, you know, different aspects of movement and maps and, you know, different aspects of um, tracking and all of that. But we feel like we've got the, 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 the germination of something that meets that criteria. I, I'm hearing a lot of really fascinating things from what you guys are saying. And I don't want you to have to, don't feel like you need to spoil your, your, your source material here, but <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to know, and I'm, I'm curious because I run ship combat in my game where they're yeah. not in the air. So I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. happy that I'm only stuck dealing with one like X, Y axis and that's it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'd be really fascinated to know how elevation, like, you know, you're, you're working in three dimensions mm. here. How how does that really complexify? Because I'm sure it does. How does it complexify the the space the the combat in this three dimension? And how how can you? What kind of advice could you give to people who are trying to explore this space to make it to make it dynamic to still have descriptions that mm. feel like it's not overwhelming? Because when you when when you think about it on paper, it sounds pretty overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's wild. So three-dimensional space. <laughs> so actually, do you know what's interesting? The, the flight part of it was very easy. We, mm. we, we solved the flying up, down, left, right, you know, turning your ship. That was actually one of the first things we conquered. Mm. And we've actually had the same flight mechanic rules for a while now, maybe since month one. And they are really solid. We feel real confident about how they work. You know, you, you spend speed to move your ship and then each turn it's about either you respend the same amount or you alter the amount of speed you're going to spend for different, you know, um, how much momentum you carry, things like that. Mm -hmm. What became interesting about the three-dimensional part was actually weapon ranges, actually, and, and, and how, you know, shooting you know, a weapon upwards, you know, realistically, if we're talking maths wise, you're looking at hypoth uh, hypotenuses mm -hmm. and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff, Pythagoras' theorem, 
is is legitimately what you're looking at geometry mm -hmm. so what we've done though is we've simplified that massively we've made it way easier um and we've made it so that you just need to know we have different air zones so you can shift uh, instead of going you know i would like to go up 10 feet um it's a case of cool i'm going up to a new air zone i'm going mm, down to a new air zone and it allows then for this kind of stacking thing and what we then do is we go cool now that you're in different zones, you can now shoot across X amount of zones based on the, the the range of the weapons. So, you know, everything, you know, let's go with zero to 60, you can shoot across X many zones mm -hmm. with a reduction of uh, X on the attack roll or so on and so forth, you know, things like that. With that, though, descriptions are super important. You know, mm -hmm. when you, you know, you're like, think about how you're going to be able to describe this and all that kind of stuff. I think actually it comes from as your player when you're in that combat. So as a DM, it's about you know making the movement seem dramatic. It's about making these you know even if it's a turn you know make that dramatic and visceral for your players. You know you're like as suddenly you know the ship next to you begins to creak and you know crack as it begins drifting and turning towards you, facing its guns you know at your at your starboard you know blah blah blah, blah things like that. And then as players, I think your job is to put yourself in that position. If your pilot is like, fuck it, we're going up three zones, then as a player, you're gripping on and you're like, G-forces, Jesus, you know, as you like <laughs> barrel upwards. Because if we're talking six seconds per turn and you're going to fly up, you know, two zones, one zone, you know, however many zones, you know, that's going to be an intense bit of movement from a from a air thing. So... Mm -hmm. As a player, it's just about thinking, again, back to the logics and the physics of the moment of if you're bursting through two air zones, how well are you standing up right now? <laughs> you know, like how, how, how good is your balance is, is, is the question that I would be asking myself as a player. What about you? What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, th I think to your point, Matt, it's, uh, it can feel like a lot. Mm -hmm. And the constant feedback that we have had is... Keep it simple, keep stupid. It simple. Just keep it simple. The simpler, the better. Yeah. So how do we keep it simple, but still make it feel like it's a dogfight up in the air? Yeah. You like, know? And it has that to feel is... different, right? Like it still has to feel like it's its own thing. Sorry, keep, keep going. No, exactly. No, and you're so, right. You're totally right. Yeah. So um, each zone has its own characteristics. So you might have like a, a zone that's really, really windy and has some, you know, wind shear to it and might realign the direction of your ship. You might have other zones that might have different weather climate in them. And so that adds a little bit of flavor to it. But what I would say is mechanically, it feels like we're trying to keep it as simple as possible while adding color and flavor for the DM mm -hmm. and the players to then build in the drama mm -hmm. that yeah. the mechanics don't have to do. But not so, not so flat and basic that it's theater of the mind. It has, you know, it has some actual discipline and uh, and and rules to it i think it comes back to again as as a dm or as players know your ship you know say come come back to knowing your player know the body that you're in know the ship that you're on you know 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 the know the uh, rules of that ship so you know if you guys don't have a, a parachute locker somewhere you bloody well hope you've got a safety line system so that you're not falling off or you know you you've got some sort of you know mm. glider suit system so that you're not falling, <laughs> yeah. whatever you've got so that you're not falling off that ship make sure you know where it is make sure you know what weapons do what make sure you know you know your your ranges you know um and then know how the ship acts if mm -hmm. it uh, if you know you're DM or the person who's the pilot of your ship has been like, oh, she doesn't deal with right turns good. Cool, you've said it. Now it's canon. So your ship doesn't do right turns good. So now everyone knows that. And now anytime you need to do a right turn, it's maybe not going to do it good. Yeah. Or is it just you as the captain? Is that a pilot issue? And now we're going to deal with player backstory. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. what it comes down to. And you know, I you kind of stole the words out of my mouth because I was going to go there. I... I think when we talk about vehicular combat, whether it be mm. in the air or on water or in carts, yeah. that vehicle is its own character. Or in my mm, eyes, yeah. that vehicle is its own character. It deserves its own character sheet. There are there are systems I like to I've I've hacked up the seventh C system so much mm -hmm. because in my in my in my game, that's what we use the that 
the vehicle, the boat character sheet where you put in things mm. that it levels up, it gets a history, it has its own quote unquote bonds and flaws and ideals. And it's still a, it's, it's not alive, but yeah, because of how important it is to the combat, to the world that you're playing in, you should give it that, that kind of um, elevation of status to be its own character. And yeah. I think that when we're talking about making the combat feel energetic and dynamic, some of the strategies that you guys mentioned earlier, like Tom visualizing, you could probably translate that, I think, into visualizing the boat and how the boat mm. moves and how the vehicle performs under certain circumstances. Sure. Uh, Bodhi, you talking about the tools on the boat. I think that's super important also, right? Know where, th where the resources are, know what the powers of your vehicle are just like you yeah. should know the, the strengths and powers of your character and mm. if you can do that and you can use descriptions in tandem with these powers and physical space and movement like we've been mm. talking all along i think you can still inject passion and and energy into vehicular combat um, i agree i don't know if that sparks anything in either of you but i'm looking at the clock and I, I guess I'll, I'll give you guys the floor real quick before we transition into the conclusion about vehicular combats, air combat. Are there any other things that come to mind? And maybe I'll start with you, Tom. Any other things that come to mind that you can do as a player or a game master to make vehicular combat in the sky more engaging, more energetic, more alive? Yeah, I, I thought of something while you were talking, Bodhi, and it was <clears throat> you can create additional feats for players that allow them, so you know, they have their, their usual repertoire of weapons and skills and all of that, but potentially they could take on almost like a, a, a different personality, a different skill set on a ship that would be quite important and would be another layer of personalizing your character. So I might not be someone that likes to steer the ship, but I sure as hell might be great at a, you know, at a, like a harpoon. I might like really like to be on a harpoon. And so we have allowed for building in additional expertise in players to be even more equipped to man this big old vehicle. Awesome. And to, yeah. And um, so there's, there's elements of that, but also, you know, there's, there's elements of how players interact with each other, elements of how players interact with other crew members <coughs> on the ship. And so we have a, a, I feel like a really nice balanced mechanism mm. for players to continue to, to have the spotlight on them, which is really important, mm -hmm. but, but also have a vehicle literally and figuratively to enhance their experience in the combat. So yes, it's all about all of their own abilities, but can they, can they now access some other opportunities on this vehicle um, to to, en to enhance the experience of combat. So that's that's something that I think we're thinking about, and we've I feel like we've uh, we've addressed in, in yeah. certain ways. I want to I want to say like from my end to to just readdress something, and I think for for players I would say for all combat, talk every round, move every round, make it feel like this is alive. Don't just roll your dice, and I think that's one of the biggest ones across the board mm. is don't just roll your dice. Make sure, you know, this feels like it's an engaging live combat situation. You know, not just, you know, people sit around waiting in turns to just like tap each other once with a sword and 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 be like, haha, I hit you for five points of damage. Now you're bleeding. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of thing. And <laughs> and make it make it more juicy than that by how you kind of go about what you're doing. Um, I'd say for GMs, I will reiterate, just take a breath. It is the biggest thing that I have ever learned. And do you know what? I can't tell you how often I forget it. I can't tell you how much my adrenaline is going in some moments. And I'm just so wrapped up in the moment that I forget to breathe. But if you look at any good dungeon master, and I, you know, I'm not going to name them because we all know the big names in the industry. I don't need to put their names out there. But, you know, the, the, the big, you know, Mac daddies, the dons of, of what we do. Watch them do it. Watch not not what they're saying, but the technique of how they mm -hmm. do it. Watch that stuff, and you'll notice they pause, they think, they evaluate, they strategic, they strategize. Sorry, they um they they very much are thinking about one. How can they make this next description? Did you know? Did 
the bad guy just draw his sword? Or did he slowly pull the blade from his scabbard as the light gleamed off of it in the alleyway? Give yourself a second to really think about the next level of, of what you're doing, what you're describing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I promise you, in every moment that you do that, there will be an adjective, there will be a verb, there will be you know something that you add in that ends up being just a little bit more like, oh, damn, like that was, oh, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. expecting that. Or you might even surprise yourself. So, and I, I think that applies to everything, you know, whether you're talking about, oh, you know, the ship did this, you know, you, you get, you collide with another ship, splinters of wood go everywhere, you know, blah, 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 blah. If I, if I could add to that, Bodhi, really quickly. Yes, please. Um, please I, do. I think please, people please. who should... When you're considering vehicular combat, I, I can't speak for air combat because I've never done it, but I, but I yeah. think some of this might translate. I, I think people need to look at the space that they're in, right? When you're doing mm. naval combat or vehicular combat in a large space, your sense of scale has grown immensely. The cannon or harpoon yeah. or laser gun or whatever that you have on your vessel, that range is so astronomically longer than your arrow. And putting that yeah. sense of scale, I think, really leaning mm. into the differences of what this vehicular combat is, I think is super important and can make it have this sense of different, just different enough mm. that the people playing can feel it and they can like get excited about it. And then, yeah, yeah. As, as the boats get closer, then you start bleeding in between fireballs and magic missiles and harpoons and... <laughs> And then, oh, now you're boarding. You know, I, I think yeah. taking advantage of the space that you have when you consider vehicular combat is a, is a new tool in your toolbox as a game master. Don't always do it. Don't like abuse it, but make sure that you, mm. you pull it out sometimes because it's that difference that's going to help make it feel different and stand out and feel engaging. Um, I, fu I fully agree with you. I like, I fully feel, and like, you know, we've talked a lot about like personal, like, you know, how you act as a character and Tom mentioned it ever so slightly using your environment to your advantage mm -hmm. and, you know, thinking about the things that are around you, you know, as, as, you know, part of all of this, you know, when you take that breath, you know, as a DM, if you're up in the sky and this is a really good example and often people, you know, in D&D are like, oh, DM said roll initiative. So we're fighting this thing where, dude, if you're in the sea or you're in the sky or you're on the astral sea or whatever it is, you have hundreds of thousands of feet of nothing in various different directions. Why are you not running? Like, <laughs> like, like you can use this space to dodge get away outmaneuver you know uh cleverly hide in pockets of cloud or you know mm. behind an island if you're in the sea you know things like you can use some of the shit around you to elevate that as well and like you said you know that sense of scale comes into that you don't have to you know as a dm like allow a ship to get closer to you if you are being realistic and you're thinking about it, every time a ship comes close you're backing up as long as you're within range. You're like, unless you're like, we are the borders. That is what we, we get on other people's ships and we kill you from within your ship. It's very rare that that would happen. Let's be yeah. honest, you know? So 100%. I think using that to your advantage as well, using that space that you now have, not just on land, mm -hmm. which, you know, for, with, with a cart, unless it's a, unless it's got four wheel drive, you're sticking to a... <laughs> <laughs> pre-trodden paths do you know what i mean yeah, like i think yeah, yeah. You, you you've you've got to think about that mm. space and using you know what you have to uh, at your um at your fingertips yeah, what's your as, as like what what do these yeah. vehicles enable you to do what does the space enable you to do maybe there's monsters that you would have never been able to incorporate into a dungeon or into a into like a political game but now you're at sea mm -hmm. and you can have a kraken show up, like make it happen yeah. because you have the space you're in the sky. You can have an army of harpies come at you. You know what I mean? Like there, there's yeah. this really neat flexibility that I think we should be taking advantage of. I know we could talk about this forever, okay. but <laughs> I think I'm going to start wrapping up if that's all right. Of course. So thank you to the two of you for being here for this conversation. This has been wonderful. wonderful. I hope everybody listening has taken some notes. And I hope we've convinced you to run some vessel combat. I hope we've convinced you to go buy the supplement that Homie and the Dude are going to be publishing about uh, space aerial combat. 
And uh, yeah, so uh, why don't I pass the microphone over to the two of you? Any final words about injecting energy in combat? And once you've said your final words, please let us know where the listeners of Roleplay Chat can find your content, where they can subscribe to any of your any of your podcasts or, or streams, and all of that. The floor the floor is yours. Last words from you, and then I'll do all the pluggy stuff okay. that you can't remember. My, my last <laughs> word is: sometimes we just need to take a moment to to meta ourselves out of this whole discussion and just remind ourselves what we're doing. Having fun. We're having fun. And let's just connect up with what fun means for us. Because fun is not the same thing for everyone. And if fun for me is to describe combat in a way that is really sort of um, connects with some of the action movies I've seen, then I'm going to lean into that. If fun for me is, you know what, I am okay with being the assist person and someone else taking the lead, then I'm going to do that. So really just kind of figure out what experientially you want from not just combat but from D&D in general and then have fun with it just continue I mean we are so busy in our lives this is a moment for us to come together with people we want to hang out with for a period of time and forget about the rest of the stuff and let's just lean into yeah. that as best we can well said. and and have an experience yeah very strong do you know that's I was gonna. You, Did I steal that? Get, not, not, not exactly. I was gonna <laughs> say have fun. I, I, I was gonna say to inject energy in combat and, every, and even just in your games, just have fun. And things that we currently are doing, we have our actual play podcast, which is called the Sky Realm. Um, it is a journey uh, through our lands of oppression, of rebellion, of. Um, terrorism in some ways of of regaining a new world order that has been taken from from people and uh it's a very fun campaign we have an amazing cast we have amber the space jamber on twitter we have sam comerford from role playing and role playing we have blake francis and then we have tom um tom's wife my mother um, Tracy and uh, and we did have my best friend Ryan for a good portion of time, uh, uh, but he's recently left to go traveling for Africa. So we had an amazing cast. Sounds like a star-studded um, lineup. I recognize everybody you said, and yeah, everybody there is worthy of being uh, watched and listened to, including, of course, yourselves. Thank you, and 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 they they very much are best best bloody cast in the world, I would say. Mm. Um, and then. Um, we currently have a newsletter that we call our newsletter of holding. Um, you can subscribe to that completely free, receive free D&D supplements such as NPCs, magical items, uh, battle maps, things like that, as well as also behind the scenes content from us here at Homie and the Dude, as well as finally you get updates on this airship stuff that we've yeah. been talking about, our airship combat Kickstarter, you will get updates um, and questions from us about what you think we should do because we're making this for you guys. So interact with us with that. Um, also, you get entered into every dice giveaway that we do because for some reason we make dice here as well. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw some pictures. <laughs> they looked really, they looked stunning. Uh, Thank you. Um, and then the final thing is, uh, if you want to find all of our other content, um, we do podcasts with people uh, from the Dungeons and Dragons community all the way through to real life areas of life, you know, Creatives across creatives the board. Across the board. Um, you can find us, you can find all of that actually in our link tree. So if you go to like our Twitter, which is at Homie and the Dude, there's a link tree link, same on Instagram, same on Facebook. If you go into that link tree, you can find our website, you can find episodes, it'll, you can find It'll all be down in the description, not down, I'm not on YouTube. It'll be, it'll be in the uh, show notes for those of you listening. So it'll, um, we'll, we'll get that all plugged in there for sure. Amazing. And uh, other than that, um, well, homie and the dude, homie and the dude, father, father and, son, and son, TTRPG and MMA team. And <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Matt. You're a kick-ass dude. Thank you for having us on. It's been a freaking awesome chat. Really, really appreciate yeah. it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you to the two of you. Um, like I said to the audience, you guys will be able to find all of Bodie and Tom's links in the description of today's episode. And thanks to the two of you. This is, you know, I'm, I'm jazzed. We got to talk about this. Now I want to talk about ship combat <laughs> for like another two hours, which I don't feel like I can at this exact moment, but maybe, maybe I'll have you guys back if you want to, and we could talk about ship combat more specifically, or, or maybe, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something out. But 
If you needed to ask me questions about today's conversation, you can reach me on Twitter. That's at role underscore play underscore chat. Or if you don't want to be limited to a 250 character limit, you can send me an email at contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. Thanks again, Tom. Thanks again, Bodhi. Cash in the next one. Thanks, guys. With that, let's call it a chat. <laughs> <laughs>